Good morning. Happy Thursday, everyone. The sun is shining. The magnolia trees are blooming. I love those. I know. We have one just outside our office window. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I love, I love sitting there and looking outside this time of year. Okay, we are continuing our Faith Outside the Box series this morning with Mrs. Laley. So she is the head of our English department. And we're just going to start off with some rapid fire questions, which I know that you're nervous about, <laughs> but you don't need to be. All right, Megan. Okay, lay it on me. All right, what is your ideal vacation? Oh, okay. Well, I, it's trying something new, it's going somewhere adventurous, doing something. Um, hopefully in a new country or culture or a place I've never been. Mm -hmm. I love Would that be more seeing everything. like museums and art gallery type thing or more like hiking and exploring? I have done both and I love both. And I have an opportunity that I'm really looking forward to in July going to three countries in Europe I haven't been with my daughter, my oldest daughter. And the two of us travel together doing the museums, the art galleries, as well as the hiking. So we'll get to go out in the hills of Scotland and hopefully you know, experience cities as well as historical places and a whole bunch of different things. But we've also done epic family trips that have involved lots of adventure. Typically, a Laley family holiday is you have to train for it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. So no resting on a beach for you. I have done that. Oh. And that has been very <laughs> restful and necessary. But most of the holidays are very active. Okay. Very cool. Which do you prefer, writing or reading? I love both. I teach both. I probably read more than I write. Okay. Yes. Yeah best concert you've been to? I have, where's John Bryan? I have seen you two twice. <laughs> yes. Um, I have loved, I have loved all kinds of music. My dad was a singer and so we went to a lot of shows, musicals, gospel concerts. I'm going to throw a barbershop as uh, I've been to so many shows like that. So, so there's been a, a lot of that that has been really amazing. I've loved going to see and hear Handel's Messiah and be in the sing-along version where you get to stand up and sing all of the songs with the parts, and that's been glorious too. That glorious is a good word for Handel's Messiah, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, favorite movie that was based on a book or film adaptation of a book? I really loved the last of the Harry Potter movies, for sure. I really loved um, the... It's coming to me. It's right there. Nope, it's gone. Um, so, <laughs> To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. I know that's an old one, but such a great story. Gregory Peck as lawyer Atticus Finch. Yeah. Love that. Um, so many, but those are a few. Yeah, good. Coffee or tea? Neither. Oh, do you do warm beverages at all? I am naturally highly energetic on my own as soon as I wake up in the morning. <laughs> so I need orange juice and that's it. Okay. Hot beverage would be a hot apple cider mm -hmm. from Starbucks, hot caramel apple cider, or hot chocolate. Okay. What is your go-to genre to read? Relationship stories, uh, whether it's um, historical drama, it doesn't matter. The best book I read so far in 2022 was 
called Cloud Cuckoo Land, written by an author who wrote uh, Pulitzer Prize winner, All the Light We Cannot See. I love both of them. Very complex stories. But Cloud Cuckoo Land has five main characters. Two are from Constantinople. Two are from our world in North America now. And one is in the future in a spaceship leaving Earth. And they are all woven together. He is brilliant in taking all of that and connecting all of their storylines to an old Greek story that they are all reading and learning about. It's fascinating. That sounds like a good book. I'll have to check it out. Favorite flavor of ice cream? Fruit kinds. Strawberry, peach, mango, like that kind of thing. You know, black cherry uh, and sherbet. Okay. What book have you read the most times that you just keep going back to? I don't generally do that anymore because my stack of books to read is always growing and never depleted enough to go back and reread. Um, I read recently a book twice that was written by Pete Grieg, um, the guy who started the 24 seven prayer movement and it was how to pray a book for common people and that was so fascinating and I took so many notes and highlighted so much I needed to reread that but as far as when I was a kid I would read, read over and over and over again because I was just reading so much so you know Anne of Green Gables and um to Kill a Mockingbird, I've read a lot. I guess Hamlet, because I teach it so much, you know, right. every year, twice a year. Yeah. Those kind of books, I'm, I'm experiencing a lot. Okay. Um, and last question. If you weren't teaching, what would you do? When I was trying to figure that out, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. My mom had been a teacher. I had the, she'd been an elementary teacher, so I had a lot of supplies there at home because she stopped when I was born. I'm the oldest. And so I would teach my dolls, and then I would teach my little brothers, and I kind of always knew that's what I was going to do. But I did entertain the idea of being a, a missionary at one point. And then I did try figure skating when I was six, and I thought I could be a figure skater, and I really liked watching it on the Olympics until I had my first, what do you call it? It's not a recital or a concert, but... Competition? Compe well, it wasn't a competition. It was like the end of the year kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I was in this bright green bird costume, and I was leading the group off the stage like off the arena and you have to take that step up to get off the ice and I totally wiped out and boom 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 boom, boom took out the whole row <laughs> so that was the end of that career yeah I mean you were six so I was six yeah, yeah. but you know some things you just know yes <laughs> it was very clear this mm -hmm, is not mm -hmm, the path mm -hmm. for me okay yeah. Um, yeah so we'd love to hear a bit more of your story and how you came to faith in Christ I grew up in a Christian family with a very stable um, farming background, mom was at home, um, dad, yeah, we had a turkey farm, he was an electrician, uh, they were very involved in our little country church, so, um, and I'm just surrounded by um, strong Christian examples. I went to a Christian high school, the competitor of Eden, the rival in Niagara-on-the-Lake, or in, um, this was in Niagara-on-the-Lake, I was in Fort Erie, but, um, so I went to a variety of different churches actually because ours was so small so I'd go to a youth group at a different church or before that it was you know pioneer clubs um, somewhere else and then summer um, you know vacation bible school at, at a Dutch church and so I just kind of had a whole variety of, of different experiences and uh, it was interesting because when I I became a Christian at a concert actually 
um, because like I said, we just went to so many all the time. And it wasn't anything that I told anybody about, but when they had the call to come forward, I didn't go. But I just felt very convicted in my spirit in that moment. It was an elementary school. Uh, sitting there, and I remember this like spine-tingling, full-body, goose-pimply moment, and, ha and wanting to keep that, and feeling it as I'm walking out of the parking lot and getting into my car, and I don't know why I didn't tell my parents. I didn't know why I didn't say anything. I don't know why I was kind of scared about it, but it was just like I just wanted to keep it and hold it and not do anything to kind of lose that amazing feeling. Um, and so throughout all of my high school, Growing up, when I got to grade 13, I switched schools and I went to kind of the, the public high school I would have gone to if I hadn't gone to a private Christian one. And I was kind of really amazed and humbled and blown away when I was interacting with all kinds of new friends that weren't Christians and they would have questions and we would have these deep discussions and I couldn't convince them. I couldn't answer all their questions. Like, I know all this stuff. I've been reading the Bible and doing family devotions after dinner for years, and I can't convince you? I can't debate you into belief? I was just, I had more to learn. That was very humbling to realize. I didn't know it all yet when I was 17 years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah, what good lessons to learn, for sure. Um, and so as you have grown up and, and become a teacher and come to Eden, like what, can you tell a little bit about what brought you here? I wasn't looking to move. I had, at the beginning of my career, it was really hard to get into teaching and I was always just placed in whatever school had openings. And my first kind of a chance to interview and get a position was to be the head of the English department at Thorold. I'd been there for 11 years and totally loved it. I was extremely involved. It was a smaller school. I was kind of running so many things that I was getting exhausted with that, but I wasn't looking to move. And a friend of mine who actually teaches here now, who was teaching me with me then, Mrs. Kennedy, saw the posting for uh, an English headship here at, at Aden and said, Heather, that would be amazing for you. You would love that. You could, I, I think you, you know, and she drew my attention to it. And I just, I remember reaching out to my husband during the day going, this just happened. This just was brought to my attention. What do I do with that? <laughs> and, and so, well, why not? I love what I'm doing. Let's try. And, and anyway, so it was an interview that got me here, and it has been an amazing 10-year run. Yeah, that's great. Um, so when you think about your role as a teacher and you think about your faith, how does your faith inform or influence you as a teacher? Two ways come to mind. It is amazing being able to teach English because you have such an opportunity to talk about all of these big questions and big ideas because it comes up in all the great literature. All the great literature is asking those questions about who am I and why are we here and what does it mean to be a part of society and to question society's values and to uh, wonder about faith and, and things that are beyond yourself. And so it's amazing because in great English literature, there's three different main sources of illusions. One of them is the Bible, another one is Shakespeare, another one is Greek and Roman myths, and you have to know those stories. And I would recommend to students, even before I got here, if you're going into English, even if you are not a believer, you should know some biblical stories so that when you're reading literature at the university level, you kind of know what you're talking, or like what you're reading about. So this has given me an opportunity 
you know, when we're when analyzing a poem and there's this reference, does anybody know what this is referring to? Well, someone can say Lazarus, and I can say, tell us about that. You know, so I have an opportunity to weave that into our conversation all of the time. So that is that is super rewarding uh, because then I'm always praying and thinking there's people in this room that don't know those stories or what they represent. It's not meaningful to them. Here's an opportunity to introduce them something that might pique their interest. And then the second way that that uh, has been a factor for me is it was either when I teach creative writing or when people are writing a personal essay in another course to me, they will open up about things that, and this is usually after a number of months together, we've developed a rapport and a relationship where they know that this is a safe place where they can come to me with things or, or reveal part of their story to me. And so when students are revealing that in their writing, I have an opportunity to speak to that. So I would mark it first as the English teacher hat and you know, here's your feedback. And then sometimes I will leave them a recording and say, okay, you don't have to listen to the next three minutes, but if you are interested in what I think about what you are writing about, I would like to speak to that. If you, you've raised some questions, I'd like to share my worldview on that. And so then I'm able to, to take that. And the feedback that I've gotten as students have emailed me afterwards has been very positive. Wow, I've never received feedback like that. Thank you so much for caring. And so there's lots of opportunities to um, connect with students with that. Mm, that's, that's beautiful. I love um, I love the way that you can share that side of yourself with students through the opportunities that come from, mm. from your class in particular. Um, I'm wondering if you can share any significant God moments that you've had in your life. I would group them in different categories. So, like I said, there's been lots of adventures that we have gone on and seen different parts of the world. And so then there's those moments when you're standing there looking at something really amazing that blows your mind and you again feel that kind of awesome overwhelming feeling of God's presence so that might be standing I really am moved by very tall large old trees so when you are standing in a grove of uh, or when you're seeing something beautiful like like Louise but when you're standing in a grove of of massive redwoods or a Douglas fir forest in California or or BC it's just this peaceful, calm, and presence that kind of just puts you in your place. Moments where you're looking at the beauty of the Grand Canyon and that kind of thing have, has been really overwhelming. I love water. I love being by beaches and water and feeling the peace and listening to that and really feeling uh, God there too. And then there's the moments where um, You've had challenge and crisis, and then God is really showing up in those moments, too. I had one friend who was learning to be a spiritual director, and that was a really amazing year. The last year of her program, she had to practice on three people, kind of like student teaching. She had to have three people she met with once a month for an hour, and that was an amazingly beautiful uh, journey that I could really learn a lot of different types of prayer, different ways of reading the Bible. It's really shaped me. I've learned about creating a rules for life. I've learned about spiritual retreat. Um, and so the last three years, I've taken myself on my very own silent weekend of spiritual retreat. The beginning of February, before I have a lot of marking, beginning of second semester, I go to a friend's cottage that, sh uh, that I rent, and it's just me and God and a couple things I want to pursue. One of the things I have been learning about is having a word for the year. 
And so the last few years I've had a word that has been uh, a biblical word, a word that has been something I have studied, dived into what's the, what are the Greek and Hebrew uses of that? What are all the verses of that? How is it speaking to me? A spiritual retreat has been uh, amazing because I have come to those often exhausted and tired and broken and overwhelmed and God has shown up every single time. And one of them, I, of course, a cottage on this isolated kind of stone gravel road. And I remember one day when I was walking on that road and crying and worked up and not wanting to go back home to everything that was there. And, and Jesus was walking beside me. I could turn, I was walking this way, but I was looking this way because there he was beside me in his robe, in his sandals, looking at me and smiling and, and there was a hug involved and it was beautiful and he was just there as a companion on that journey. And so uh, some of those moments fuel you and, um, and help keep you going in so many different ways. Yes, I love that. What great practices um, that you've been able to implement in your life. Yeah, I think those annual rhythms and those, um, yeah, meeting with Jesus, um, using our imaginations and using mm -hmm. our bodies, I think are, are really precious gifts. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned a little bit about there have been hard times, there have been struggles. Do you mind sharing a little bit more about... Um, about how you have wrestled with your faith at different times. So while I have a collection of happy looking people on that screen and you know, the Christmas card family shots and then the adventure shots and yeah, like there's one, there's all of us with um, my son's girlfriend as well. But when you look at the six of us, those, amazing memories and amazing times with those people that I wouldn't change for anything. All of my darkest, biggest struggles have also come with those people. So um, one thing that I was very naive about when I got married 28 years ago was I didn't know anything about mental illness. It wasn't a part of my family. It, I grew up in a very stable, happy family without any trauma. My husband did not. He grew up um, with a great deal of trauma that affected him from grade eight on, all through high school, all through university. And naively, I thought when I met him in teacher's college that all of that was part of his past and he was a different person now. That is apparently not how that works. Uh, he had family members that were um, in his immediate family who also really struggled in debilitating ways with a variety of, of mental challenges and so I didn't realize all of the nature-nurture aspects of that, and so in our family of, of six, with, with the five of them, uh, four of them have had significant debilitating collections of years of diagnoses. Not limited to, but including ADHD, OCD, bipolar, Asperger's, Oppositional defiance disorder, borderline personality disorder, um, alcoholism, anorexia, and a suicide attempt. So all of those things are very heavy. And that is 
uh, I am a, a quick moving, quick thinking, quick driving, like action packed kind of person. That is none, none of those things help in dealing with helping someone process all of that and move forward through that. So there's been a lot of years of hospitals and counseling and coming to the end of myself. And when you can't do any more and you're totally exhausted and you realize I cannot control anyone else, I can give advice that no one appears to be listening to or is able to implement and what do I know anyway because I'm not a counselor but all of those things lead you to this moment where you have to lay it down and say I cannot carry this anymore. I bring it to your altar and I say you've got to take it from here and guess what? Jesus is standing there saying I know. I've been waiting for that. One of our darkest times, my stepson who is the, the one with the mustache there, Zachary, all of my kids went here, and that was a real blessing to be able to be a part of most of their, their high school journey and to have the support of the staff that was here. But one example of a dark time, um, he, was, he was different from when I met him. I knew there, I had been around kids all my life. My mom had run a home daycare. I had taught piano. I knew kids. I could work with kids of any age. But he had some uniqueness to him that I recognized, and... When he was 12, it really started to take us in a really dark road that my husband and I were just talking about that time this week. And he will admit to you he is still affected by that. He still hasn't, he wouldn't say recovered from that. It really took him somewhere, somewhere dark. So Zachary became violent. We had just had our youngest, so I had three kids under five. Zachary could not be in our house anymore. He was a danger to our little kids. We took him to Sick Kids Hospital to their... Uh, mental health ward for kids. He got violent there and broke a window in the hospital. And they said, well, he can't stay here anymore. He needs to go to a facility where he can be securely locked up. So that happened. And normally in that facility, you are there for about a 10-day stay. That's about the length of how it, long it takes them to kind of work on the next steps. He was there for six weeks. He turned 13 there. He had so many issues, they couldn't find the right balance of medication. My husband at that time had decided to kind of pull back a little bit on his business and go back to school. So he was trying to maintain his job as well as go to Toronto a few days a week for, <laughs> for another degree. And we've got all of this going on. And so you really, you really understand how much you need God. And like Billy Graham says, Mountaintop experiences are wonderful for the view and the inspiration, but fruit is grown in the valleys. And that, I've got a number of valley stories where you just cannot possibly keep going. So um, I'm a Christmas baby. When I had my big 50 party, it was an all strong women party. That's what I called it. I invited all my strong women friends from all different aspects of my life because I needed them throughout all of those years. The God moment in that is that Zachary, who is now 30, we never thought he was going to successfully graduate high school, have any kind of job, be a contributing member of society, live on his own. We didn't think that was possible. He now wears a suit and tie, works in a bank, and people come to him with their mortgages and investment questions, and he handles their money. That is something we never knew was going to happen. Wow. Yeah. I don't trust him with my money, but other people do. <laughs> <laughs> Ringing endorsement right there. 
Um, wow. Yes, God is good. Um, is there anything that you want to leave with students today before we go? I'm going to repeat some things that other teachers have said. They have talked about the need for having a really strong foundation. And Jesus gave us a parable about that, building as a wise builder on the rock. And so what does that foundation look like? They don't build their house in the storm. You have to have it in place before. And three things I would say make that foundation are having a strong community, having an active, committed prayer life, and um, being in the word, being fed regularly, because that's how you know who God is, what his promises are, what his stories are, how he has been faithful, and that he is there for you and wants a relationship. Thank you so much for sharing with us today, Mrs. Lilly. Okay, quick announcement. The Foundry is meeting in uh, the SLC today. Senior Girls Driven will be in the hub tomorrow and celebrate you on Friday for those who have signed up. Have a great day, everyone.